And that was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. We threw that game. We gave it away by doing that. We gave them the friggin' game. In my opinion, that sucked. What's that? Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Welcome back. We are back after a well-needed break for the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John DeBari, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker, and as always, brought to you by our friends over at Expand the Box Scores. So, week 18, we did nothing. I didn't even, I barely watched. I enjoyed the week off. Walk, good to see you again. How are you? And uh, where do you want to get started? Yeah, I mean, it, first off, I missed you. You know, not talking this week. Strange. Yeah, I'm used to getting my uh, at least weekly dose of Johnny. I should have just called you <laughs> directly. Just talked to you, see how you're doing. But no, now the regular season's over. I mean, week 18 was disgusting. I mean, there was like literally like three games of significance in on the whole slate. Um, and I don't know that they well one did disappoint. That Dolphins Jets game was terrible. Starting Skylar Thompson and Joe Flacco, but that that mattered for the playoffs. And then we got the Eagles game, who Giants were starting their third string quarterback as well in a game that didn't matter for them that the Eagles still made difficult. And then we had that Sunday night game where Mr. Rogers got sent packing by Jamal the Slug Williams and the Detroit Lions, which yeah, cost me a couple bucks, but I gotta be honest, I wasn't upset about <laughs> losing that money because there's just something about Aaron Rodgers that rubs me the wrong way. So heck of a career, but it was it was a fitting end that the ex-Packer was the one that was just sticking it to him in that game and breaking Barry Sanders' rushing touchdowns. Right I heard that on the radio. I was like, what? And the irony is it's, they each had one per game. So even with an asterisk, it still at least tied it, right? Because we got more football games now. But he had 17, Barry had 16. So at worst, he equaled the per-game touchdown production of the great Barry Sanders. What, what a world where <laughs> – they're in, Jamal they're, yeah, Williams. They're, they're in the conversation together. Now, I will say, you say it sounds like you did not watch the game, if any games. He shouldn't have got his first one because Khalif Raymond 100% scored on the pass play that took him down to the one-inch line the play before. So they didn't even challenge it. They literally just went up, running play, Jamal Williams up the middle, touchdown. But I wholeheartedly believe as it happened, I saw the play, I go, he scored. And then they rolled him down. I was like, well, he scored. They're going to challenge it. Nope. Well, what are they doing? Oh, okay. They want to get you more waves. This rushing touchdowns record. They they saw an opportunity. They're like, we're at the inch line. We're not challenging anything. Screw Khalif Raymond. <laughs> we're going to give it to Jamal Williams, but tis what it is. Two touchdowns later. Yeah. The dude was crying after the game. Yeah. I'm starting to come around on Jamal Williams a little bit too. Tangent. I still don't well, think you can like, I like him as a person. just not as a football player. <laughs> Fair enough. Great. Yeah. And he's not nothing special as a football player. You now he's he's as run of the mill as they come, but he's a, he's an interesting person. I mean, he just truly is. I mean, just I could listen to him talk, but you know, whatever his intro was, where he's like some some character for some anime, and just the, the crazy eyes he makes at the beginning. I mean, first swag Kazakagi. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I gotta look this up. I don't know what this fucking guy's talking about, but yeah, he's interesting. But yeah, enough about Jamal Williams. We're here to talk about Black Monday, NFL postseason, fantasy playoff 
championships, whatever terminology you tried to create a week ago about the postseason fantasy formats that we all know and love. So where are we going to start? A, a nice bookend between our last recording and today. We recorded the day Nathaniel Hackett got fired. And but it, it happened after we recorded, and today we're recording. You said Black Monday. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was just fired, and he ain't the only one. We lost Lovey Smith, and we're anticipating maybe so, a few more. We're a little disappointed. There's been more action this morning, but it is what it is. So uh, Matt Rule was fired earlier in the year. Steve Wilkes probably has an inside shot at that job. I mentioned Hackett getting fired uh, several weeks ago. Who knows what's happening there? They're supposedly in talks bringing in Sean Payton. Uh, Lovey Smith was fired yesterday. We, we'd mentioned a little bit before you started recording. Don't know why. Not sure what Houston was planning on doing there. Um, two years in a row, they knew they were going to suck, and they sucked, and they fired their coaches anyway, which is a little weird. Kingsbury, we kind of knew, was probably on the way out. Indy had fired Frank Reich, Jeff Saturday, interim basis. I don't know if he did anything incredible enough to retain that job. And we had mentioned Sean McVay's floating out the idea of taking some time to decide on his future. So that's what we have as of almost 11 a.m. West Coast, 2 p.m. on the East. Anybody in particular you want to talk about? Let me make sure I, I did my math. We're at five official, right? Three uh, interim yes, and two correct. today. Yes. All right. Um, I mean, Sean Payton's name is just going to float around everywhere oh, unless okay. until he signs somewhere. But we also have to note that he is still under contract with the Saints through oh, yeah. 2024. So thank you. you can't just sign anywhere. He's allowed to go talk to people. And then the Saints are just going to be like standing there with their hands out. <laughs> like how bad do you want them? Um, What's Denver got to give though? Like they came. Denver yeah. has they, they dumped all their ammo on yeah. us. A truckload of Walton money. That's what they, that's what they have. Yeah, to, to give the Saints, who could probably use it to clean up some of their cap mess. So maybe maybe that'll maybe that'll work itself out uh, in the long run. But you know, I, I didn't even think of that. They could end up kind of like that that goofy Brock Osweiler trade, where Houston had all that dead money and or vice versa. I don't remember, but yeah, they had to clear up all that cap space. Yeah. There is a world where they could take some of the saints shittiest contracts to get the coach. Yeah, man, listen, business, you know, figure it out. He's not going to coach for the saints again, but wouldn't it be ironic if he came back to the saints where he just didn't want to deal with that year of like Javis Winston and <laughs> Andy Dalton. And then he just was like, all right, Still I'll be there. there. I'll be the heck yeah. yeah. They're waiting for him. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, maybe it'll be like, <laughs> just come back to the states. For, you know, forget it all happened. Thanks for the year off. Yada yada yada. But I mean, these teams aren't abysmal that are coming around. But uh, I was going back and forth with a buddy of mine and thought, you know, would Sean Payton have any interest in the Arizona job? Now that that they not only got rid of Kingsbury, Steve Kime, who had stepped away, is now I think out as well. So they're going to be putting a whole new. GM in place as well. Sean Payton, you know, may or may not like Kyler Murray. I I don't know, but Arizona's not the worst place to to set up shop again uh, geographically for him. The rest of the teams, I don't. Why would he want to go to Denver? I mean, unless he just believes that Russell Wilson is as good as Russell Wilson is. To your point, he, he doesn't have a lot to work with, you know, uh, draft capital wise. Yeah, you know, and that Russell Wilson contract is crippling. 
for the future. Um, you got to think TV money is going to fix a lot of these problems in a year. Um, but that's not right now. Indy, now they're 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 going to go higher. I think if they're smart, they hire someone young and try and hit reset. Stop trying to rent a quarterback and think that you're a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl. If you're the the Colts, because you're not. Houston is a dumpster. They they're years away. Carolina's probably the second best job in the yeah. in the group. Yeah. In my opinion, they have a, a stable uh, owner who will spend the money. Tepper will give Sean Payton whatever the fuck he wants to, to come to Carolina. And if they can land a quarterback like a Derek Carr, perhaps to come play for for Carolina with that young ascending defense, pieces on offense, like. They might not be far off a division that's, you know, oh, experiencing some change. You know, yeah, a quarterback away Tampa. from winning that easily, yeah. Yeah. easily. Yeah, that's a uh, that might be the the dark horse of the bunch so far. What would you? Why would you even t- take the Houston job? Like you know, the team's gonna suck, even if you no. get a good quarterback at number two. Now, you you're still. What are you? Maybe a six win team next year. Houston will be hiring a young head coach. No experience. No Sean. Sean Payton's not going there. Like and no, no shots to Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith knew what he was getting himself into when he went there, and I believe Still all crazy along, they he, fired him. even he knew it was a one and done deal. You think but so? I I feel like it. I, I do. I you know after they shit can the other guy after one year. Yeah, I mean, why don't you just keep him? I I thought they should have. I, I don't know why they didn't. It was David Kelly. Yeah, I mean that that dude got. I mean, I don't know how much he got paid, you know, for his for his time there, but they probably should have just kept that. I mean, Lovey Smith installed instilled maybe a better culture in there, you know, but the team still sucked. They didn't get any closer to where they wanted, and they still didn't even lock up the number one pick. So who knows what's happening in Houston? But they're going to end up with like a young first timer head coach, in in my opinion, because no one probably don't have a choice. Yeah, no one where the shit's going to go there. They're going to have to settle, but. You know, like Arizona, Carolina, and Denver are all far more appealing, in my opinion, than India and Houston. Yeah, as gross as it is, you're right. Now that I'm looking at it, Carolina is the <clears throat> clear top choice. Yeah, they're a quarterback away from being competitive, to, to our point, especially in the South. All right. Well, that's enough Enough excitement about that, unless someone gets fired while we're here chit-chatting. Um, um, okay. Hey, let's do this. Deshaun, not Sean Payton. Deshaun McVay coached the LA Rams in 2023. I'm going to go with no. I think Aaron Donald retires. I think Stafford retires. I think McVay takes a break. And as you had mentioned before we were recording, <laughs> takes on that massive contract that Amazon was floating out there to do the shitty Thursday night game. So, yeah. No, I mean, I, I would blow it up. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you, you've you've reached the summit at such an early age that you can literally go enjoy life and still be around football. I just don't, I don't understand why he wouldn't leave, especially given all the dynamics at the LA Rams who went all, all in on that Super Bowl run and then just like back the truck up to their key players, you know, to reward them. You know, they have no draft picks. They have aging talent. <laughs> you know, they have a competitive division. It's... uh it makes too much sense for him not to leave. So I'm there with you. Tom Brady, is he playing quarterback in the NFL in 2023? I had this conversation <clears throat> at work last night. <laughs> Here's the thing. The reason he was leaving was because his wife was bugging him to leave, right? <laughs> so the wife is gone, and that was 
rumored to be the reason he was going to hang him up. So if that's gone, what's what's keeping you in the league? I mean, what's keeping you from? That's why you were retiring. Why that, that was your, I'm that going? Was, he's that, was staying. His, that was his one foot out the door. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, door slammed on that foot. I I'm conflicted. I truly don't know. I mean, I think this was a rough season for him on and off the field, where you know it wasn't as pretty, and they had they really scratching claw just to get into the playoffs. But I think there's a world where he does play again next mm-hmm. year, and I think there's a world where it's not in Tampa. And Tom Brady ends up in Las Vegas. Possible. With his boy Josh McDaniel throwing passes to Devontae Adams. I think that's possible. Not the craziest thing I've ever heard. He's a free agent, right? Brady? Yeah. Do what he wants. I don't know why he'd want to be, you know, a three-team guy. Like, I understand why he went to Tampa, you know, just to really cement his legacy type thing. But, you know, when you start adding other teams, I don't know. I think that, you know. Perception-wise, tarnishes things a little bit, but I'm curious. Now you got me looking this up. I wonder who got the house they bought in Las Vegas in the divorce. They have a Las Vegas house. They bought a house last year. They were saying huh. uh, that he was. That was one of the rumors of him coming to Las Vegas a year ago. Was they bought a big house in? Uh, this is in November of 2022. Construction resumes on Tom Brady and just sells mega mansion. Just two, just days after the two finalized their divorce, so it's still still in construction. Mm. And they just started construction after they're getting a divorce. So, ah, I'm, I'm you sold me between nobody already he already has a house here. Why not? What's he got to lose? Listen, I didn't do any of this before, but I literally just Googled Tom Brady, Las Vegas, and there's there are countless stories already and videos. Oh, yeah. And Fox Sports is Tom Brady a fit with the Las Vegas Raiders. Tom Brady told Las Vegas Raiders the move checks all boxes ahead of, ahead of his NFL decision three days ago. Reports say Raiders owner is pushing Josh McDaniels to bring Tom Brady to Las Vegas. Tom Brady, old NFL rival, could scupper Las Vegas free agency moves. There's a lot. Tom Brady to the Raiders. Former teammate says Las Vegas will win. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, Tom Brady gets another link to the Raiders five days ago. <laughs> it's just where there's smoke, there's clickbait. So, huh? think there's a world. You know, imagine, yeah, listen, Brady gets a cut loose huh. in Vegas. Interesting. I mean, it's not like he's in a shithole in Tampa right now. The neighbors. Yeah. But. Better than new, better than New England. Yeah. He's <laughs> fucking, I'm looking at his Florida mansion right now. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he rented Jeter's, Jeter's place. home in Davis Island, Tampa, which is only 20 yeah. minutes from the stadium. Oh, guess what? He paid. Guess oh, this is fun. Guess what he paid in rent to rent uh, Derek Jeter's house. I feel like it was an insanely high amount of money. I can't even believe it. It's, I can't even believe it. Was it like $10 million or something? Oh, no, no. That, no. 75000 a month. Okay. Which over the course of the year is $9 million. Holy shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoa. Look at me with my math. It's a million dollars. 
900,000. I, I, I don't know why I thought you said Ooh. 750, 75,000 a month. Wow. That's yeah, cool. drop to me. That seems insane. A drop in the bucket. Yeah. So a million dollars roughly <laughs> to rent. I can't rent. to me. I can't, I can't even fathom that. That's a crazy, even if you're rich, it seems like a crazy <laughs> number to me. Frivolous, you know, just go buy a million dollar property. Yeah. And and, oh, and rough it. Think about this for a year. The, the two of them, yeah. Think how below below them that is. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh. But I mean, Jeter's place is pretty sweet, right? Like he he built that place during his Yankees heyday. Edge of Jeter is an asshole, or Brady is like a shitty tenant having to deal with each other. <laughs> You're a day late, Tom. Dude, where's the stupid Brady again? Where's my money? Yeah. yeah. Or Jeter's like, the neighbors told me your kids are leaving their bikes in the street. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Jeter just has like ring technology all over the house. He's like, Tom, you left a fridge open again. Your avocados are spoiling. Listen, I, I, I'm scrolling through this. Now they're talking about G, uh, Tom Brady's. Uh, real estate sales after they were getting divorced. Uh, he's made $30 million flipping $140 million worth of houses. And they're showing all these different houses and what he bought and sold them for. He, Yeah, he's in the world where he's selling... Uh, <laughs> he sold his L.A. house to Dr. Dre. <laughs> just, all these names are just weird. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is the company they're keeping. Like, these are the people that... You know, even know where they where each other lives. You now this this is exclusive. <laughs> this is top one percent type real estate. Lost lost seven hundred million seven hundred thousand on a Boston home though. So oh, yeah, you can't make any money off that. Sometimes he's taking yeah. it uh, taking the L. Yeah, it's not all roses for Tommy. It's because that was like a sprawling estate in like. The suburbs of Massachusetts, where it's like you have a limited, limited customer base as to who's acquiring that fucking thing. Take that, Brady. Yeah, not always, right. not always winning. All right, yeah, I guess uh, seventy-five thousand a, a month math that really upsets me. That I, in my head, I don't know why. If it came out with ten million, how about it's, this? I'm so stupid. It sounded good to me. I was like, yeah, yeah. Well, I pride Didn't myself even bat an eye. Carrying zero. Like, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. All right, so are we starting with? Are we doing a bracket? How are we starting this? Yeah. Did you complete your uh, "Who Wins the Super Bowl" challenge? You mean doing a bracket thing? Yeah. Well, I sent. No, you I thought we were going to do it on air. I thought we were going to oh. do it together. Oh, fair enough. Then I won't tell you what I already picked. Yeah, I thought we were going to work it out here and then base our uh, player picks off of that. So I guess we'll just go. AFC side first, no no particular order. I just went the way it was on NFL.com. Uh, so first game I got here, Chargers at Jacksonville. Chargers are a one-and-a-half-point favorite game total, 46-and-a-half. I think this is an easy Jacksonville win. I, I, I understand all your logic. It's L.A., West Coast to East Coast. <laughs> West Coast to East Coast. Is it an early game? I saw the game. It is the that. Saturday 5-15 game. So it's okay. the second game on Saturday. Uh, 
Brandon Staley has proven to me time and time again to be either the dumbest smart guy or the smartest dumb guy in history. Uh, got two players hurt, I think, yesterday in a game they had no business playing mm-hmm. in. Nothing they could do could change anything. Mike Williams was carted off the field with a back injury. I'm pretty sure you're not going to be playing Saturday after <laughs> being mm-hmm. on a fucking stretcher on Sunday. Always uh, an outlier uh, here and there. Someone else got hurt in that game. And yeah, I know Mike. I, I know the Mike Williams news. I'm sure someone else got hurt and you yeah, shot and- fired it at your boy Brandon Staley. But just so we're we're clear, the Chargers Jaguars is the eight fifteen Monday uh, Saturday night. Oh, game. I got five. I got the you I got, got the, West Coast yeah. time. Yes, yeah. Correct. So let's 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 deal with the appropriate time zones. East, <laughs> East Coast is the way that they base it. Um, because there's only two Saturday games because there's a Monday game for no stupid assholes. NFL just because the NFL is just greedy as greedy comes. But yeah, I had the chargers picked, but I don't like the circumstances or the Mike Williams injury. So I, I can be swayed to uh, go Jacksonville there. Duval. All right. So we're going Jacksonville and yeah, give me Peter. If it just even comes down to coaching Peterson over Staley by a giant margin. All right. Yeah, I mean, listen, he Peterson had to scratch and claw to beat Mike Vrabel's replacements. Uh, so it's yeah, it's division game. You get a little. Yeah, they were a little tight, and now we're talking. Games are uglier than they need to be. This is like the first playoff game for the Jags since like the weird Blake Bortles season. Yeah, so Where they had to fucking block off the entire upper deck so you didn't see the empty seats. <laughs> in the playoffs. All right. Next game, we got Baltimore at Cincinnati, a repeat of week 18. Kind of sorta. Not the, the wasn't wasn't jam-packed full of starters and studs necessarily. Big question here is if Lamar Jackson is back. Currently, Cincinnati. The line looks like he's not playing. Since he is a six and a half point home favorite, total of 43 and a half. I think uh, Cincinnati wins this one, and I don't think it's close. <laughs> we could change our minds if Lamar's playing, but uh, I got I like Cincy. Does Lamar Jackson play another snap as a Baltimore Raven? <sighs> yeah, I think. I mean, I mean, they know. still control. I mean, they can tag. Yeah, them. they might tag him. So I'm saying, yeah, it's just. A PCL sprain, I get he's a mobile quarterback, but just, the reports have been so strange that it literally, like, it's clear that Harbaugh is, like, trying to not say the wrong thing when people are asking him, like, if he's going to play or not. Like, like he knows how he's rehabbing, like, but he's not practicing. Like, it's clear Lamar Jackson's making a stand here. I mean, that's, like, and, and good for him. I mean, like, get hurt and cost yourself tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I don't blame him, but Harbaugh knows if he's playing or not. Like he's hundred percent knows today if Lamar's playing. And like well, you said, and, the line would indicate he's not. And they were more importantly, Vegas knows yeah. if he's playing, it ain't six and a half. No. And weren't they, um, what's his name? Uh, Huntley was, they, was he inactive because they were protecting him? I don't know why. Yeah. I thought, I assumed Huntley was playing and then I saw the other guy who's Anthony Brown. So unimportant. Yeah. Not even. Yeah. So Google like, him. Yeah. Were they um, protecting Huntley in that game? I, look, it's him. not crazy. Dobbins didn't play if I'm not mistaken. No, neither did Mark Andrews. They didn't play anyone. No. So, uh, you know, the, the only thing here you go, uh, there, there should be some gamesmanship. Harbaugh's 
you know, a very good coach. I don't think there's any disputing that. So he could have not given a shit. He knew he was playing them in a week. You're not going to show them, you know, this happens every couple of years where somebody plays the last week or two, and then they face off in the playoffs. You're not going to give them the playbook. You really want to beat them because you don't give a shit this week, especially when you did, didn't matter. You know what I mean? I think, Trying to what if it went the other the way? Since he would have been the six, and Baltimore would have been the three, except they would have coin flipped who was at home. So I think they almost automatically were going to play each other. Yeah, yeah. Baltimore had none to play for, and they they acted accordingly. So but yeah, I'm, I, I'm with you. Since he wins, yeah, even. Baltimore could have been doing the rope a dope, but I think even with everybody out there, Cincinnati is just better. And last, and certainly not least, Miami at Buffalo. Another one is Tua playing. Is he not playing? Not quite sure. Given the line is 11, it's looking like Vegas thinks not, but Buffalo laying 11, total of 44. Uh, Buffalo wins this one easily. Yep. Not going to argue. I mean, that's, that's an easy one. All right, so then that means... In round two, we got Kansas City playing Jacksonville in Kansas City. I I thought I was thinking about this. I knew this was going to come up, assuming we both went with Jacksonville. I, I don't think Jacksonville is like – I've heard other people compare them to – they're this year Cincinnati. They're getting hot at the right time. I like Peterson as a coach, and I don't want them to be like, oh, they're going to make a deep run. However, I don't know what his record is against them, but if anybody's – Got the game plan mm. to beat Andy Reid. Probably Peterson, but I'm still going to have to go with Kansas City. It's crazy to think Jacksonville's winning on the road in the playoffs. Yeah, agreed. Um, be be a good storyline, but Patrick Mahomes is not losing to second-year Trevor Lawrence in no. the divisional round. All Sorry. right, so then the other game, we got Cincy at Buffalo. Right, Buffalo's got everything going for him. I don't see them going in there and winning at all yeah nor do i um this is a tough one because you know there's there's motivations on both sides yeah since he definitely got the short end of the postseason stick uh given everything that happened but then or uh buffalo just has you know one, they're a good team, but yeah, team, yeah, you know, yeah. Have, <laughs> just gonna say the same thing. Added motivation. I mean, you're almost just you know, this is just too big to lose, too big to fail, whatever it is. Yeah. So, I'm with you. I think it's gonna be a great game, and uh, the NFL wins for it, but yeah, I have Buffalo advancing. All right, so now AFC Championship Kansas City and Buffalo on a neutral field because of the can- the game cancellation. So, who knows where they're playing? Let's just go, what's in between. The NFL well, seems to like playing games in Detroit, don't they? Detroit's floated. I know that uh, Indianapolis was ass, and I think they had to decline because they have like some like volleyball championship already booked for that weekend. Man, um, on that much money. Your uh, your Vegas Raiders <laughs> offered Mark Davis gladly offered to oh, sport yeah. it. Makes I can sense. tell you what, it's going to be indoors. That's where it's going to be. Wherever it goes, it's going to be indoors. Because the NFL is smart and they want Super Bowl like oh, yeah, condition yeah, for yeah. this game. Yeah. So all right. So who are you taking? Buffalo. I'm I'm with you. Just because yeah, they got the Rudy season going now. And, and and Kansas City loses Arrowhead advantage, which it does matter. Sure. So there's if there's neutral, there's no advantage to the one seed there. So I'm just gonna go with the team that I think's hot as fish grease, they say, John. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I got that reminds me of this guy I used to work with, but that's too long of a story to get into. All right, flipping uh-huh. to the NFC side. You, again, just going in the order it was on NFL.com. I think it's actually opposite time, time-wise, chronological order. Dallas at Tampa Bay on Monday night, as you mentioned before. Dallas at three-point road favorite, game total 45, similar to the other five versus four. Boy, does Dallas look like shit. I am not going against playoff Lenny and, uh, you know, Brady and his, uh, what is he, up to seven rings now. Give me Tampa at home with the upset. Another Florida, Florida home team upset. Yeah, I I think Dallas wins that, personally. I I know how bad they looked this past week, but there's so many issues with Tampa as well that I'm just I can't can't buy the Dallas one and done. And Tampa wouldn't have been in the playoffs in just about any other division. So I think it'll be a good game. And it's crazy that the Bucks are getting three in, in that, but I think that says something. Can I so. can I sell you on a game narrative? You already sold me on the Jacksonville game narrative. Tony I, Tony I, Pollard. <laughs> Tony Pollard goes for 85 all-purpose yards in the first quarter and a touchdown. And Mike McCarthy gives him three more touches the rest of the game. <laughs> but yeah, I, and I believe that's possible because they will just be bleeding the clock out with Zeke <laughs> after, after that. Um, yeah. I, I, listen, I gave you Jacksonville. I, I, I'm going to take Dallas on this one. Ah, all right. We'll go Dallas, number five. Very disappointed here. All right, moving on. Jets at Minnesota. Minnesota's at home. That is the Giants, John. Don't disrespect the New York team. (laughs) (laughs) Equally, equally yuck. Uh, New York Giants, excuse me, at the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings, a three-point home favorite. Total is 47 and a half. That is the Sunday game, uh, Sunday afternoon. I, I would have taken the Giants just because of Kirk Cousins' uh, propensity to choke in these big spots. However, they were the primetime game on Thanksgiving, and they won, and Kirk looked good. And I have decided that he has turned it around, and the Giants kind of stink. So give me Minnesota at home. Yeah, this is one where you know, I could see the Giants winning this game. And yes, zero percent surprised by it. The way that they're just playing under Dayball, and the fact that you can score on the Vikings um, means this game should only be a three-point spread. But I also have the Vikings. I am the least confident in this pick of all of them. I, I am as well. Which you know that one, unfortunately, you know this is a nice two-six matchup, which would flip some future matches. But yes. I'm with you. I think. I think Minnesota ekes it out. And last and certainly not least, the Saturday 130 West, 430 East game. Uh, Early game for Saturday's purposes. Got the Niners minus 10, hosting the Seahawks, 43 and a half. So a low total. I I was surprised the line was that big, but uh, they've kicked the shit out of Seattle twice (laughs) this year. So I kind of get it. There's nothing, and I'll get into some stats later, but uh, San Francisco, and it's not particularly close. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to see any, get to receive any objection from me here. I mean, listen, I I was on the record saying that the Seahawks were going to be one of the worst teams in the entire NFL this year when we did our 
game by game projections, and I'm still at a loss as to how they ended up nine and eight. You don't uh, believe in Geno's magic? No, I did not. I, I, I thought we were going to see Drew Locke under center for good portions of this season. Um, so kudos to them for you know winning their last two and then having the Lions push them into the playoffs instead of Green Bay. But yeah, they are a a strong one and done. Um, but to your point, I mean, the games this year, they just played the 49ers in week 15, 21 to 13, they lost. And then at the beginning of the season, they lost 27 to seven. So the first one, yes, 20 points is a big one, but they kept it close. I mean, they, if game, I'm not mistaken, those were late points and they were getting murdered. Entirely. About, yeah. Seahawks scored minutes. a fourth quarter touchdown in this most recent one on December 15th. So it was 21 yeah. to six through three. So. Yes, to your point, they did score a late touchdown, 335 left. They threw a touchdown, you know, Geno Smith threw a touchdown to Fancy. Yeah, they were getting handled 21 to 6. But like, still, these, this is a third division game, which we see a couple times here. Um, three different games. And More coming. They're always funny. They're always funny when these games happen. I think, I think San Fran wins, but I don't know about that 10 points. No, I'm, I'm, I'm calling for. Murder, but Murder. that's beside the point. Either way, Next, they win. We're good. Moving on. <laughs> Division round. Let, let's keep going there with C, uh, San Francisco then. San Fran hosts the Minnesota Vikings. There's nothing about Minnesota that scares me, and I would like to pick San Fran. I, I, I just don't. It's hard to see a Brock Purdy-led team make it to the NFC Championship, but there's just nothing Minnesota does that scares the shit out of me. So I take San Francisco, but I, I can be talked into Minnesota if that's where you're headed. No, I'm with San Fran. I think that it actually lines up pretty well for the 49ers with these opponents. I mean, they know Seattle. They know how to beat Seattle. Minnesota just lets you do whatever you want on offense, and they hope to outscore you. So uh, San Fran just has a good enough defense <laughs> to not allow the Vikings to come back like it seems like they do. They did just about every week this year. So yeah. there's another one where it's like, uh, yeah, if it were anyone else other than Minnesota, maybe. Yeah, but I'm, correct. I'm, I'm on San Fran. All right. And now another divisional matchup, your Philadelphia Eagles versus the Dallas Cowboys, which I don't like this for Philly. Yeah, I mean, it's this will be the first time that Dak and Jalen Hurts play each other this year, ironically oh, enough. Oh, yeah, that's right. Of of the three, so there's no no real barometer. I mean, it, you know, strangely enough, these games were were pretty close, dealing with you know backup quarterbacks in in various settings. The Eagles won by nine back in week six, and then Dallas won by six in a shootout in week sixteen. Um, I think home field will rule today, and the Eagles aren't a one and done team in my opinion. So I have them beating Dallas. Yeah, I mean. I like Philly, but I don't like this matchup, so I no, agree with no, you. Yeah, no. no, nor do I. San Francisco versus Philly for the NFC title. And keep in mind, uh, <laughs> what does San Francisco do next year if they have mm-hmm. Garoppolo and Purdy, who have led them to NFC multiple NFC championships with Trey Lance coming back off the mend? They're, <laughs> they're in quite a position. You you give Kyle Shanahan a contract extension. Fuck yeah, you do. <laughs> a big one. Highest paid coach in the NFL. It, it deserves every penny of it. Yeah. And I have I have the Eagles winning at home. 
I yeah, I, only because it's Brock Purdy, but I will absolutely agree. So we have very front runnery. We got the number one NFC team, Philadelphia Eagles, against the number two AFC team, Buffalo Bills. How much does your homerism play out here? Who takes it down? hundred uh, percent, Philadelphia Eagles. I'll <laughs> 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 say. I'll say Buffalo, but doesn't matter for our purposes here. Let's have another playing. Parkway parade, baby. They're Let's playing know. an extra game. That's all that matters. So, uh, real quick, Super Bowl odds. Uh, basically, if you bet one hundred dollars, this is what you would get back. So, Kansas City's plus three hundred thirty. Buffalo number two at uh, four twenty. Philly third five hundred. San Francisco five fifty. So. Pretty chalky. That's where we have it. The the four teams in the uh, championship games. Cincinnati next at plus seven fifty. Dallas plus thirteen hundred. So a big jump there. Uh, Chargers next, another big jump, plus twenty one hundred. Tampa plus three thousand. Minnesota plus thirty two hundred. Uh, Baltimore plus thirty four hundred. Another big jump. Jacksonville plus forty six hundred. And Miami, the Giants, and Seattle are all plus five thousand. So they are completely out of it um according to the nfl or i'm sorry nfl lines so Super it looks Bowl like the nfc has by far the longer shots correct so it's literally it's it's either going to be the eagles or the niners in the super bowl <laughs> yeah yeah dallas is almost yeah you know, three times the niners yeah um so real quick, just breaking down the different options for playoff leagues that are the one and done leagues where you get to use a guy once throughout the playoffs. And once you've used him, you cannot use him again. Obviously, when the team is eliminated, those players are no longer in the player pool. There's the other format where you pick one guy from each team. So you have what do we got here? 14 teams in the playoffs. You have a lineup with 14 guys. So you want to get the high scorers. On the two teams you think are going to make it to the Super Bowl, it's not going to be very helpful to you to have one of the defenses in the Super Bowl. Uh, the the NFL playoff fantasy, which I've only done once, I might do it again this year, which has pretty weird scoring, kind of the same thing. You're picking guys, you have the same lineup throughout the playoffs, but week one, you just get their regular fantasy points. In the second round, you get their points times two. In the uh, conference championships, you get their points times three. And anybody who makes it to the Super Bowl, you get times four. So you're getting nothing. If, if, if it's uh, Kansas City and Philly and you stock your lineup with those guys, you're getting no points in week one because of the wild card. However, in the Super Bowl, you're getting all their points times four, which can be uh, the, the one year I did it. I think the guys that all came in the top ten got – well, got lucky, but they had a ton of guys that ended up playing in the Super Bowl because even 10 points, now you got a 40-point guy. So uh, the other one, which I've never done, is a draft style. We do a snake draft, go go back and forth, picking guys and kind of similar to regular fantasy lineup. Eliminator, where they start cutting down teams after each week, uh, just high score. You have the same team throughout. And the other one that's popular, I've seen, I've listened to a couple podcasts about it, watched some YouTube videos. I don't like it myself. I've never tried it. Underdog kind of has a little tournament thing where it's a six-man draft. It's 10 rounds. You get, um, obviously, 60 guys are picked, and it's done like a best ball format, but there are some multipliers. I really don't understand it. I have not done it, and I do not plan on doing it. If you're interested, there's tons of other information out there on that. So. 
where you want to go with strategy. I got some fantasy points allowed and fun things like that. All right. Well, we'll start with I did one of the underdog underdog mittens, which is what you were speaking to. And I'll just read you my team, my 10-man team, right? So I went at quarterback. I went Joe Barrow and Kirk Cousins. At running back, Joe Mixon, Leonard Fournette, and Aaron Jones, which drawn dead <laughs> there. Correct. And then for wide receiver, I went Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, or wide receiver. Oh, type nice. Slash. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd, Kadarius Tony. So I stacked both my quarterbacks with all of their receivers. Unfortunately, one of them was Minnesota, who I have being two and done. And, uh, well, sorry. And Cincinnati, I've been two and done as well. But if either of them make a run, I'm pretty heavily leveraged on those two teams. And I do plan on doing a few more. But, yeah, I mean, you don't have such control, right? If you're trying to make a stack and, you know, you get Mahomes, you're not getting Kelsey, you know. So if, you know, but you can get a uh, Kirk Cousins and Jamar Jefferson, you can probably get a Barrow and Chase like I did pretty easily and i like that stack i i mean like you said the the way you constructed it my my understanding of those leagues yeah if they go deep you, you're probably going to make some money yeah that was the thought i mean obviously taking a chance with aaron jones i thought they were going to win and i would have got a game out of him you know that would have helped i mean i could have taken a sure thing you know someone else down the line like a james cook i probably should have went with with buffalo or something like that but no, couldn't not draft Aaron Jones when he was available there. But yeah, there's there's thousands, not thousands, there's there's dozens of of different strategies and structures play. But I did that NFL challenge before where yeah, if you lose a guy, then you can replace him as well um, yeah. in the subsequent round. So that's nice. But certainly you want guys to carry as far as you can because you get those multipliers. There's certain obvious strategy involved there. To your point with the one and dones, which we can speak to, you know, where where you want to be using quarterbacks that that are playing that you think will lose more than likely. I I'm looking at a Daniel Jones against the Vikings um, uh, in particular uh, as a quarterback I'd want to go with of all the teams that we have only playing one game of the Baltimore, Miami, Tampa Bay, Giants, Seattle, Chargers. Um, I like Daniel Jones the best, but then obviously Herbert and Brady um, come to mind as well. If you're looking, you know, staying with those Giants, you might want to just go heavy Giants, right? You can go Saquon because, you know, they're, you're going to score points against Minnesota, you know, so to – you're not drawing. You're not. You're not drawing a bad team there that you think is going to lose. Even some of those pass catchers, you know, if it's a, uh, a Richie James or the guy whose name's escaping me, I can Wait. Isaiah Hodgins. You know, uh, I, I think is not a bad bet to be had there. You're talking about the Chargers losing. I mean, you got to go Keenan Allen then in, in that environment, yeah. especially with Mike Williams out, Austin Eckler as your RB too. You know, like, you know, using those when, when you only get to use guys once, lean heavy into the teams that you think are going to lose or especially ones that are heavy dogs, you know, that, that Vegas thinks are going to lose. I mean, that, yeah. the only exception I have to that, because I, to me, I've thought about it more. There's, there's two strategies in this where, yes, you want to get the guys that are losing, but that's, I, I think that's more for, cumulative total weeks right where the winner is who has the most points at the conclusion of the playoffs which is they all pay out like that but a lot of other there, there are some formats uh like playoff blitz for example the the one that i'm in they pay the winners of each week 
So I don't think it hurts you to get, you know what I mean? You're, you're winning money each week. So even if you don't win the whole thing, if you have the highest scoring lineup in week one, you're already taking down a pretty decent chunk of cash. So you can burn through guys that are going to win, but you have to make sure that you're taking down the the money. And in, in that kind of format, similar to most of the one and done, you have to make sure you're picking, especially quarterback and, and tight end, you're probably sticking to one side of the bracket until you get to the Super Bowl, and then you have no choice who you're taking on the other side. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, it, it's format dependent, right? So yeah, sure. Teams that might, you know, you're looking at are even two and done. I mean, that are that are coin flips. I mean, we said Jacksonville's going two weeks. If they go one and you're sitting off of them, you know, and they lose, but you win heavy chargers, I mean, you're now you're dealing at a disadvantage. Yeah. So you don't just want to lean into one team per se in those type of formats, especially if there are weekly payouts. You know, then you're trying to make the optimal lineup without really compromising. You know, you're, you're long term and it's good in those because you're you're protected against the KC and the Phillies. Right. Because you're not going to pick either one of those teams in round one because there's no carryovers right. as far as points. So, you, yeah, I mean, you can take a couple of risks, you know, and maybe, you know, you sprinkle in some Cincinnati guys because, you know, we're, we're saying we're only going to get one more game against against them in Buffalo. But there's enough talent there that you can you still have multiple starters to draw from um, in, in those type of games. So. Yeah, ton of strategy uh, to be had. The only, the only uh, playoff pool I've completed so far is my home league pool, where it's the the fourteen player, one player per team with the mm-hmm. roster. Uh, you know, the two quarterback, four running back, four wide receiver type designations, and and I just did a preliminary run but obviously that type of pool is based heavily around people you think are going to win there's there's no carryover points yeah. but certainly the more games played by the premium positions the better so you're you want your quarterbacks to be at least three game players if you can help it you can't afford to for them to be less than two but you know the way that we have this shaping up it's that San Fran and Philly play three games each and Buffalo plays four um, KC only plays two games the way that we predicted uh, our pool. So that yeah. kind of values Mahomes a little bit. Yeah, and, certainly. And, and it makes Josh Allen the clear quarterback that you have to pick um, in that environment because there's just too much value in a guy carrying through from the wild card round all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, and, and then the way that it shook out right now is that, you know, I would have Hertz and Allen as my quarterbacks, and then I would start working backwards from there. Because it's just consistency in that quarterback scoring, as opposed to the volatility at all these other positions, and then clearly you you fill in your your kicker defense, and even to a certain degree your tight ends with uh, you know the the teams that you think are going to bow out early because there's just so much inconsistency in that scoring. So you know a Seattle, uh, you're going to pick them as your kicker or defense, right? They're they're certainly going to lose. They likely aren't <laughs> going to put up many points in the one game they do play. Um, you, know, so you want to sacrifice your kicker or your defense there. And then Miami without two, I think will get boat raced against Buffalo as well. Now, so while you have some talent to pick from there and to your point in some of those weekly playoff leagues where Tyree Hill could get a, some garbage time, you know, yep. and end up putting up a big week, you know, you certainly don't want him in this type of format because you, you know, you can't really, you can't really have that one and done nature at a, at a wide receiver type position. As well, now the, the curious part is, what do you do with Baltimore? I mean, Baltimore's if Lamar Jackson plays; it's a dogfight, right? And and they can compete against Cincinnati. I, you rival. can't take a wide receiver on Baltimore. Period. 
No. You can go with Mark Andrews or Dobbins. I think that's your, I think those are your only two choices. <laughs> yes. I mean, but yeah, you know, two, two Mark Andrews games at a uncertain tight end position, especially if they're Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews games. I mean, that's a, that's a difference maker. Sure. Now you mentioned, uh, you know, Seattle using their kicker or their defense. Cause you're not anticipating a lot of points. So projected totals for this week, one Buffalo, 27 and a half, the Niners, uh, 26.75 Minnesota, 25 and a quarter, uh, Cincy 25 chargers, 24 Dallas, 24. So that are the, those are the, uh, six favorites. And then it goes right to the dogs. Jacksonville's 22 and a half giants are 22 and a quarter Tampa, 21, Baltimore, 18 and a half, Seattle, 16.75, and Miami, 16.5. So to your point, <laughs> Seattle and Miami, you mentioned being the two you kind of want to stay away from, and the numbers reflect that. So where, real quick, where I kind of want to go, and we mentioned saving guys and, and all this and trying to get these cumulative points, Seattle gives up 26 points to opposing running backs. And I know a ton of that is through the passing game. I don't see any lineup where I'm not putting McCaffrey in this week. And Seattle gives up 15.2, which is the most to tight end. Second most is Miami, uh, 12.9. So they're giving up three more points average per game. Kittle has been really good with Purdy. I think he's had two two touchdown games in the last three or four weeks, if I'm not mistaken, at least since whenever Purdy took over. I'm going to go heavy Niners. And like you said, we're, we're anticipating they're going to have three games according to our bracket. They're, I think they're definitely going to get on around one. We had mentioned, wouldn't it be the craziest thing if they were to lose to Minnesota? I want to get those points on the board is quickly as I can, if I could jump out to, I've I've had other leagues in the past where I had a good week one and I had a big enough lead or was high enough in the standings that it kind of carried me through the rest of the playoffs. Don't give up on points in week one because you hope a guy's got a better matchup coming. You do have to kind of take them where you can, but those are two guys I love this week, just based off of what the opposing teams have allowed this season. Yeah, hard to argue. And if, you know, if we have them playing Seattle and Minnesota, I mean, like I just told you, Minnesota lets you score however you desire. And to your point with Kittle, his last four games, four for 93 and two touchdowns, six for 120 and two touchdowns, four for 23 and one touchdown, four for 29 and two touchdowns. He scored two touchdowns in three of the last four games, all with Brock Purdy. Now his yards have fallen off precipitously from – 23.2 and 20 in his first two games to 5.8 and 7.2 his last two. Both his touchdowns were red zone against Arizona. Arizona is notorious for sucking against the tight end like all time, <laughs> um, but he's consistently productive. So yeah, I can't, can't disagree um, with leaning heavily into those two individuals. Um, you know, it's, it's then when when you have to pick one of them, though, it's where do you lean? And unfortunately, I think you have to lean McCaffrey um, just yes. because of the consistency over the scarcity at the tight end um, and then one and done. But I, I like grabbing those points early with those 49ers you know, against a common opponent in Seattle. Yeah, so just to kind of go position by position to give anybody an idea of who's the best and worst matchups. Uh, Points allowed to quarterback, Kansas City leading the way. I'm not going to bother you with the the numbers, but Kansas City's allowing 21.5. Then it's Miami, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Tampa, Seattle, 
Giants. So, you know, we talked about this, I think, a little bit before we were recording a couple weeks ago, getting ready for this episode going into the playoffs. But, you know, with quarterback, you have to pick one side of the bracket. And there's obviously, prior to these injuries, way more firepower on the AFC side. So, you know, the, the thought process is, do you want to use these guys early and then take whoever makes it, pushes through on the NFC side with your fingers crossed as Jalen Hurts, or do you kind of play the matchups on the NFC side and then pretty much whoever makes it on the AFC, you're going to be happy with who you have left. I was leaning towards going AFC and then just whoever comes out of the NFC, I'll have to deal with it. However, when I started looking at this, the NFC has the better matchups, relatively speaking, in these earlier rounds. So I might pivot and go NFC, guys, and just take who falls me out of the AFC. I mean, I'm probably leaving quite a few points on the board. But like I said, Minnesota's up in the top half. Tampa's in the top half. Seattle, the Giants. I think I stopped at the Giants, and it's Baltimore Chargers, Dallas, Philly, San Francisco, and Buffalo and Cincinnati both have pretty stout defenses against quarterbacks. So just a little gamemanship. I mean, if you go NFC, I can see why – and then, like I said, in the Super Bowl, worst case scenario, you're probably looking at Trevor Lawrence or Herbert. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, and, and just kind of like without going as deep as you did of just kind of looking at the quarterbacks. You know, I, I'm not going to pin my hopes on Brock Purdy or Geno Smith or you know to to varying degrees Daniel Jones or Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, in, in the Super Bowl. You know, when I could be drawn against, you know, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow type opportunity to a lesser degree, Herbert and Trevor Lawrence, like you said, a, a wild card, Lamar Jackson. And I think the only compromise team is Miami because I do not believe the two will play. So I, I think there's some logic in that, that, you know, you're, you're going to have a, a weapon uh, on the AFC side as far as quarterbacks concerned as you start kind of picking through the NFC side, because you'll get enough. Like I said, I think either quarterback in that Giants-Minnesota game is a good start this week. So you'll you'll still be leaving yourself open to several teams if you if you lean into that game um, as far as quarterbacks, and then you're just leaving yourself more opportunity on the AFC quarterback side. Yeah, it, it's – like I said, these injuries seem to make it a little, <laughs> little more difficult than in years past, and, and I don't – necessarily love a ton of these matchups you know it's like like you mentioned Tyree Kill the good thing is if you burn him in the in the event they were to get through which they will not you you still have a wide receiver there you know what I mean they, they've still got Waddle there's not a ton of teams with the exception of the Giants where like wide receivers such a problem <laughs> yeah like it, I, I recall in years past where you had like one guy, and then if you use them, you're screwed. Even if Debo's back and healthy and you burn him and the Niners end up in the Super Bowl and you're digging through their roster, you, if the Niners are in the Super Bowl, you're pretty pleased with playing Brandon Ayuk, I think. Yeah, I don't disagree. And then, look, and Elijah Mitchell just came back yeah. um, this last week and looked good again, as he always does when he plays football. <laughs> you know, 5 for 55 and two touchdowns is explosive you know, against a shitty Arizona team. But, you know, that's uh, – there's yeah, there's worse options to have. I also think that's probably a little bit to temper uh, maybe Christian McCaffrey a little bit, but you know when you know push comes to shove, they're going to be leaning on McCaffrey. But I do believe Elijah Mitchell is going to siphon some touches away 
um, especially in a game like the Seattle game where they're a 10-point favorite you know, with a low projected total. So if you have to pick one guy from Tampa, who are you taking? My, my, my initial feeling is go with playoff Lenny, which I, I wrote down there. However, if they're only playing one game and it's, it's Dallas, they're projected to score 21. So three, three in the end zone. Let's say you're using, you said, you know, it's hard not to use McCaffrey in that setup. So you got one running back. There's plenty of other good running backs you could plug in. Most of the time you're using, you know, two or three, only two or three running backs. Do you go with playoff Lenny or do you go with wide receiver? And the, the reason I ask is, which one do you go with? Evan sucked for a giant chunk of the year, and then he's come on the last couple weeks, whereas Godwin has sneakily been very good all year, even though you know, it doesn't seem like it. Who are you taking if you're going with one Tampa player? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, it'd be Leonard Fournette for me because um, I just don't know that they're going to trust Rashad White in, in this type of environment. But yeah. you're, you're correct. I mean, Evans just had the monster game out of nowhere with his three touchdowns where they finally just decided to say, you know, F it and start throwing it deep regardless, you know, if he's even, he's leaving. But, yeah, I mean, even in that game, Chris Goblin had nine catches for 120 yards. <laughs> you know, and no one talks about it. <laughs> no. Right. You know, I mean, just, yeah, just he's, he's consistent. I mean, I guess it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish, right? Because the last three meaningful games, Chris Goblin had eight for 83, eight for 63, and nine for 120. I mean, just, you know, and it was on eight, 10, and nine targets, like just consistent usage and production uh, for him. And, you know, Evans, to your point, has been very volatile. I mean, you're not getting another, you know, 200 yard, three touchdown game from him. I mean, that's, that's, that's not the reality because you think you just think conversely his three games before that nine, nine and eight targets. He had four for 44, five for 83 and three for 29. You know, so it's, it's recency bias with Evans um, who Stefan or uh, Trayvon Diggs will likely be on. And not that I think he's a world beater, but you know, it might cause Brady to look elsewhere a little bit. So my receiver would be Godwin. If I had, that's to. where I'm thinking too. And I, I think, like we'd mentioned, he it's been quiet. No one's talking about him. He's been good. And Evans has that name value and the last couple of weeks he's popped. So I, I think if you're looking to differentiate lineups, I think Godwin is the way to go. Um I, I kinda I jotted some names down uh when we were just talking about these one and dones. We're trying to use a guy to get the most points out of him before you know other team gets eliminated. So just looking at the, the running backs at teams we have getting kicked out. Barkley, Fournette, uh, Walker with Seattle, Mostert, who I think hurt his thumb, but he should be fine. I just just read broke, broke thumb. Hmm. Kind of important so, to hold on to a football. A, but, a, a wee bit. But I don't think they give a shit for the playoffs, right? They're going to uh-huh. bandage it up and get out there. He'll be active. Yeah. And then uh, we we went with Chargers losing, so you've got Austin Eckler. If Jacksonville loses, it's ATN. So that's not a bad group. I don't like Walker's matchup for Seattle, but everybody else, I'd be pretty happy plugging them in there. The only other fear is Mostert. Um, oh no, he's. I'm saying Gus broke his. I got all mixed up here. I'm thinking Dobbins broke his thumb. No, Mostert, you said broke his thumb. Yes. So you could pivot to Jeff Wilson, but. Uh, 
And Gus Edwards left the game injured too. With a head. That's why that's why I had Baltimore guy had his right. name he's, written. He's right in the next concussion one. protocol. So yeah, I wouldn't expect him to play. So he's out. So I really like Dobbins. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean there's yeah, they're not gonna there's nobody else, else in, a, in a playoff environment. Yeah, they're not giving Justice Hill meaningful work um in no. that game. So, so the yeah. options at running back of teams that will lose, <laughs> will lose pretty yeah. good. I mean, and then and then looking at wide receiver, uh, the Giants. I don't know if it's Slayton or Richie James or McKenzie. Uh, uh, Isaiah Hodgins. I, I, Isaiah McKenzie. Wrong Isaiah. As <laughs> <laughs> uh, in New York team. I wrote Evans for Tampa. Also, I'm sorry. I wrote Godwin instead of Evans. Just like we kind of talked ourselves into here. Metcalf, which I would have said Lockett for Seattle, except he's got that broken finger. I know we think he's played two games with it, but. If I if I have my choice, give me the giant man with two healthy hands. Uh, Miami, you got to go Hill as much as Waddle is interesting. But if you use Hill and they happen to beat Buffalo, which they won't, you got Waddle on deck for a later run. I mentioned earlier you can't take any single receiver from the Ravens, so I just put Andrews and lumped him in with there. And then uh, – you mentioned it earlier, Keenan Allen, if, if the Chargers get bumped and if you're going the other direction, uh, Christian Kirk for Jacksonville. So there's quite a few decent names. I mean, you could build a lineup out of just those guys and stack whichever wide receiver you like with their quarterback. And I, I think you could come out of this pretty whole going into the next round. I mean, obviously there's you know, there are and always can be upsets, so you could be totally wrong <laughs> <laughs> and burn all the guys that are playing around too. But I think there's a pretty good pool of guys who ain't playing next, you know, next week, which in years past, like, you know, had, had Jacksonville lost and, and the Titans made it. It's Derrick Henry and that's it. You're not playing any of their quarterbacks or receivers or tight end. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I think the teams that made it, at least for fantasy, give you a ton of options opposed to some of the teams that were on the bubble. So I'm pretty happy with the way it worked out because you can assemble some pretty good teams with just the underdogs. Yeah, I don't disagree. And, you know, just for that Seattle side, just made me look into it a little bit that Tyler Lockett far more productive in the two games this year against San Fran with Geno Smith than DK Metcalf was. So I understand your logic, but even Lockett caught a touchdown last week with recovering from whatever that broken finger. So a little strange. You know, I, I know San Fran, I'm pretty sure it's good corners on the outside. What's it, Charvarius Ward? Um, is the one you're going to be having Lockett in the slot a lot, which is why I think he gets free a lot more than DK, who pretty much lives on the outside uh, primarily. But you're right, of the teams losing, I think you can compile a pretty formidable uh, lineup again. Like I just, uh, I just keep staring at that Giants Minnesota game. You know, that I don't think it really matters because whoever wins will lose in round two. So you're you're not. You're not risking too much, and that game currently has the highest projected total at 48 and a half. So, you know, looking into those, the Jaguars uh, Chargers is 47 and a half, second highest, and I think that could go either way as well. You know, so I like looking into those questionable matchups as well, and maybe barring from both sides uh, without tapping myself out when I'm pretty certain that that team, whoever wins, will not be winning again. So, those are games I look at a little bit. Um, and I'd rather retain like the, you know, I just don't think Baltimore's really going to do a lot. You know, I, I like Dobbins, but Christ, if it's Tyler Huntley, what's that really going to matter? I mean, and Mark Andrews disappeared for six weeks, I think, before he had that one good game in the fantasy championship week. So 
Do you I really want to even go there if it's not Lamar Jackson? I'd, I'd rather, you know, go looking at it again, going back to that Giants-Minnesota. Go give me TJ Hawkinson over Mark Andrews in that game because it's just as likely that he could be one and done as well. But at least he has Kirk Cousins throwing the ball to him. Yeah, I, there's a couple those couple bottom scoring teams. Baltimore, 18 and a half. Seattle, 16.75. Miami, 16 and a half. I could you I can easily not plug any of those guys in. I mean, because the the projected points aren't there. So the odds of them you getting the guy who gets one of the two touchdowns, you know, statistically speaking, the, the odds are against you pulling that off. And is the yardage going to be there, especially for the running backs? You know, if these other teams jump out in a big lead, I mean, since he's almost a touchdown favorite, Seattle's a 10-point dog. Miami's more than a 10-point dog. As much as I like Dobbins and Walker and, you know, Mostert or Wilson, if Mostert's out, if you're fucking down, if you're down 10 points going into the second quarter, you're going to be phased out of the game plan, you know, Baltimore entirely, and they have no receivers. So if they get down early, they don't even have the weapons to get back. So I I, I may not have any Baltimore guys. Like you said, Dobbins is probably playable because Edwards is going to be out with a concussion most likely. So being the only game in town kind of makes him interesting on a team that's going to lose. <sighs> I, I know, Seattle? <sighs> I don't know about anybody if I if – I, could avoid it for week one and Miami without two, as much as there's always a big play potential with Hill and Waddle. You want to rely on Teddy Bridgewater or Skylar Thompson to get you those points in week one. So I, I th- I'm thinking of fading them. I mean, you can obviously, if you're in some of these bigger DFS style contests, and you want to differentiate your lineups. Sure. Plug them in some of them, but I think I am staying away from them. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I mean, this the Skylar Thompson led offense eked out a, a win against Joe Flacco oh. the Jets, where he threw for 152 yards. His leading pass catcher was Mike Kosicki at four for 46 in that game. Now, Jeff Wilson looked good. Raheem Mostert looked great, but I'm not touching any running back with a broken thumb. Um, and if it is a one-man backfield with Wilson, I mean, you might be able to convince me because hopefully you can catch some passes too. But, yeah, I think the Dolphins just – get destroyed by by the Buffalo Bills to your point. I'm not I'm not interested in anything Baltimore Seattle scary. I mean maybe lock it, but yeah, you know, I'm not gonna pin my hopes on Kenneth Walker because you know, I'd have to believe he's gonna catch six or eight balls in the game and I just don't see that happening. So yeah, there's a lot of ugly on those that lower end that I just don't want real exposure to. And those are the ones again that, you know, for these, you know, 14 pick one player teams. So those are the guys on the bottom rung. You know, those teams that's who that's who I'm um, kicker defense, at least one of those tight ends. And then I'll, yeah. I'll I'll pick a guy that I just think has pop potential that I do believe is gonna lose anyway. And maybe he'll be my receiver in a comeback mode where he can get me a ton of catches, you know, in a in a PPR type environment where, you know, I don't have any real hopes he's gonna carry on. But you know, I still want those main players that are going to consistently be touching the ball. You know, come postseason time, who the running backs are, they're going to see the ball. You know, like it's going to be McCaffrey and San Fran. It'll be Miles Sanders in Philly. That doesn't matter. It'll be probably Leonard Fournette in Tampa. In Minnesota, it's just mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook. For the Chargers, it's Austin Eckler. For Cincinnati, it's Joe Mixon. You know, 
it's a little sketchy in Buffalo, KC, Dallas, but you have multiple options there um, to draw from, you know, to certain capacities. In New York, it's Saquon 100%. You mentioned Baltimore Dobbins, but neither of us want to trust that as far as we can throw it. You know, in, in Jacksonville, it's all ETN. So you're, one, you're, of the, one of the good things, though, you had mentioned kind of, you know, Kansas City's running back. Wow, what's going to happen here? You actually, the the good thing, Kansas City and Buffalo, at least coming out of the AFC side, I'm almost sticking to running backs on the NFC is my first instinct here because most of these, excuse me, AFC teams coming through, like if Kansas City goes to the Super Bowl and you didn't use any of their running backs, you can play Pacheco and (laughs) McKinnon. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and if, if Buffalo makes it, you can play Cook and Singletary. Because it's kind of, uh, you know, a little discombobulated mess and you're not quite sure who emerges, if you just fade them throughout the playoffs, if they do make the Super Bowl, and they are the two teams we think are going to make it, and if you just go with the seeding, even Cincinnati, I mean, they like as much as we mm-hmm. do. They like P. Ryan. So if you play mm-hmm. P. Ryan and Mixon because you used all the NFC running backs, I don't think you're sitting there going, oh, fuck, I can't believe I got to do it. You're, you're not – you know, the player pool is down to two teams. If you have one team's two running backs, I don't think you're feeling too bad, at least looking at the favorites. Yeah, certainly. If you you know that you're you're capturing the entirety of one of the two teams' backfield opportunity, yeah, you're, you could clearly do worse. You know, yeah, than, I, than I've just, so, I mean, to San Fran, to your point, McCaffrey and Eli Mitchell. You know, it comes down to it. Philly, shit, Miles Sanders and Either Boston Scott or Kenny Gainwell. I mean, they'll, they'll, they're going to get touches. Dallas, you get Zeke and Pollard. I mean, there's there's a lot that you can you can draw from as far as worse things could happen than having both of those running backs. But I get where you're going. You're looking heavy on the AFC side, and all those teams deploy a running back by committee. You know, as I said it and was like, I think I sold myself on this game plan. I, I wasn't even thinking about the the two headed monsters on the NFC side of things. But you're right. With that too, so I I think in a lot of those one and dones, you have to pick a side and just pound all those running backs because anybody who makes it, with the exception of the Giants, who are not going to make it to the Super Bowl, you know they've just got Barkley. But Seattle, you know, gets DJ Dallas and and Travis Homer involved. And there's zero chance they beat San Fran. Zero. Well, yeah. also true. It, it, but if if Brock Purdy goes out and your boy Josh Johnson has to play. They still beat Seattle. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> yeah, but the, you know what I'm saying? The, the, even if the NFC teams make it, like you said, Philly's got a couple of guys. The Niners have a couple of guys. Minnesota, you could play Matson. I'd be okay with that if I hit nobody on the AFC because they burned through them all. Tampa, got Rashad, Rashad White. White. Yeah, I, so I, just talking this thought process out, I absolutely am just going to pick one side and go all running backs on that side too. And then the flip side, I'll be taking stacks of the opposite side quarterback wide receiver. There's quite a few decent stacks this year. I mean, I don't, again, compared to years past, not that it's easier, but I think there's a lot more fantasy goodness to be had. I mean, there's every team's got a good quarterback wide receiver stack this year. And I don't feel like that's the case every year with the exception of Baltimore who has neither quarterback or wide receiver. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's the way the NFL has gone, right? You know, that there's, there's, you got these running back by committees, you got these 
just high end stacks with quarterback wide receiver opportunities. Yeah, like it's it's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of strategy depending on what format uh, that you're using. But I think we did a, a pretty good job of laying out scenarios for people and giving some suggestions. So what's your uh, What's your thoughts behind <laughs> who's gonna who's gonna win people fantasy championships? So what are we going for week one? Where am I starting? Just yeah, yeah, sure. Who's who's that dark horse in week one? Uh, I can't. I well, I don't have not necessarily a dark horse. Kind of a, a lineup I put together to to work off of. Jot, uh, Allen at quarterback, McCaffrey. ATN, or, or but I've talked myself in the other way, so I think they're out. So I'm going to take Eckler. Uh, then Godwin, because we talked that through. I had DK Metcalf, but I cannot possibly trust him this early. So if we're going with teams that are eliminated, I, oof, then I might have to go Waddle or Hill there, and then I'm, I'm absolutely going Kittle. Kittle will be in every lineup, and so will McCaffrey for me. Yeah, the hard to argue against the McCaffrey-Kittle. Again, I'm still looking – Giants, so I, I'm going to have a lot of Saquon Daniel Jones uh, for my one and dones because of how much they're going to be responsible for all the scoring uh, in that game. Um, you can certainly have <laughs> different type of constructions, but you know, as far as like really just going heavy in week one, guys, I, I like pretty much where your head's at there. You know, we, we talked through Godwin as well. I think that's a guy that's really hard to get away from in these type of environments. I do question the chargers. So Keenan Allen is one. So I think we're pretty much in lockstep. Yeah. I, I, I've talked myself out of Seattle. I had written DK Metcalf down a couple places and, and Kenneth Walker, but yeah, if I had to pick a team to get shut out, Baltimore sucks, <laughs> but but it's a division game. And like, you know, we had mentioned these things get squirrely. Not that that's not the case with Seattle. However, <laughs> I, I I could see Seattle getting shut out. It's not ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I can see both of those games disappointing you know, entirely. But, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, I just, yeah, Seattle backed in. They haven't looked good the last couple weeks against good defenses. Um you know, and, and I think the Rams have good pieces, but they they struggled against the Jets um, uh, as well. So yeah, I have no faith in anything Seattle uh, at this point in time. Baltimore, they will be able to run the ball. I mean, regardless who's the quarterback, they're going to make it an ugly game. So I just think there's limitations because of the style Baltimore wants to play. Um, but you know, I'm not I'm not trying to pin my hopes on either one of those two. I mean, Mark Andrews is the only player I would be, feel reasonably confident touching from either of those two teams, and I just think they're going to have to throw him the ball ten plus times, regardless of who the quarterback is against the Bengals. Cincinnati sneakily one of the best fantasy defenses in the playoff. <laughs> I mean, as far as points against, yeah. they are they're the best against quarterbacks, fourteen and a half points. Third best against running backs, only 18.2. And third best against wide receiver, 25.8. So they're on a rumo. Yeah. Fading Baltimore might be a, a decent strategy here. And it's easy to do. Oh, yeah, for it's sure. Just, it's just, you know, you're not fading a lot of upside and, and opportunity with, the, with those Ravens. So yeah. I'm with you. Now, is there a. 
and obviously it's structure dependent, right? But sure. is there based upon the games that we have people playing, you know, the, of the brackets that we, we selected, who's the guy that's going to be getting plugged into your, your Super Bowl lineup that's going to win it all for you? Like, what are you saying? Who's going to score the most playoff fantasy just, just, a, just a guy that you didn't play until then that you're going to be putting in. I mean, looking at what we came up with, Gabe Davis is the name that sticks out. Dawson Knox I probably won't ha- have used. Um, it, it, actually, it looks like a lot of the, the secondary pieces to Buffalo. Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, Singletary, or Cook. Um those guys all stand out. We're, we're Philly. I I can imagine burning everybody on that team prior to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't dispute that. I I, I like the Gabe Davis because you know he's been tarnished this year. Uh, <laughs> myself or most other people I had hoped. I also you know I don't think that like a Dallas Goddard's going to get a lot of looks you know as we go through but you know tight end is one where <laughs> there's there's not an infinite amount to to draw from here so those were the two names that stuck out for me was Gabe Davis and Dallas Goddard if if we go for you know a little bit <clears throat> you know upsets teams we didn't pick but there's definitely a path for them to get there i think Ayuk or Debo depending on who cuz if you burn one you're probably saving the other I could see one of them kind of being a, a Super Bowl guy. Like, there, there's a world where IU catches like <laughs> two touchdowns in the Super Bowl, right? So oh, kind of like him. And then uh, on the AFC side, I, I wish I could imagine Jacksonville getting past Kansas City, but I cannot. Um, yeah, I know you want to speak that into existence. And the Debo one, right, is like no one's going to trust Debo right away, right? No. Just came. So we're going to be talking about a month down the line by the time they're playing to go to the Super Bowl in in this you know in, in our pool so that could be that could be a fun one of having a Debo card to pull you know going against those Eagles and what would project to be a pretty high scoring game yeah and, and you know I don't see Dallas getting there either but you could absolutely see a world where Gallup is a Super Ooh, Bowl you know what I mean like he's a Super Gallup Bowl guy win. but the, the the good thing with the you know the AFC has more star power and probably has the the heavy hitters but yeah if you're looking for sleepers and a little differentiate your lineups there's a lot more significant role players on the the nfc side you know osborne's been coming on for minnesota lately you mentioned just guys people aren't trusting thielen's old and coming off a relatively down year there's guys to be had on the nfc that if you you know don't you the problem is nobody's using them so if they make it to the super bowl everyone's going to have the same sleepers. You're not going to be very differentiated, differentiated from the other teams because no one's probably using, you know, Michael Gallup or KJ Osborne. Very true. All right, Johnny, that is the bell for me. So why don't you take us out of here so I can go back to work. Yeah, so hopefully you got some uh, value out of this. Good luck in your playoff fantasy leagues. This is always one of my – most uh, fun parts of the year. I'm sure we'll be chit-chatting throughout the week as we assemble some lineups uh, for myself, John DeBarry, my co-host, Matt Walker. We are the Fantasy 40, and we are out of here. Ow! Birds to the bowl, baby. <laughs> for a while, but yeah, no, uh, 
Shovel's still in the shed. Fascinating. Yeah, and we're, I mean, it usually, winter started like winter's now like a mid January through like all February is the last Dude, couple I, of years. What winter's been like here. So I'm not going down the conspiracy theory. <laughs> I have since that monster earthquake that triggered that tsunami. Everything, you know, all bets are off. And they said, oh, it shifted the Earth's axis a couple degrees. That's, I'm telling you, the seasons are all shifted a month. <laughs> so it's funny you said that because I, I agree. It's been my private. Yeah, listen, I, I, I'm like, hey, like I, I vividly remember a few warm Christmases the last couple of years here. Like warm, I'm telling you, like outside in a t-shirt, like taking down my Christmas stuff in a t-shirt, like. I, I remember this. I'm putting it's, it all a, in the tsunami. It's a thing that's happened. You know, so. Yeah. September's hot as shit. Summer <laughs> is September. Yeah, it's yeah. July, August, September now. And yeah. it's got nothing to do with fucking June. <laughs> June has no place no. in the summer cycle. Yeah, you go down to shore and the fucking water's freezing cold in June still. Yep. I, yeah, I'm telling you. The, tsunami, the, the earthquake did it. Damn earthquake. I'll tell you the uh, the sex toy story. So, <laughs> I knew you weren't going to forget that one. 